Hey guys, how's it going? My name is Ethan Larson, and today you are listening to the first episode of the Lone Striker Podcast through the In the Huddle Podcast Network. Uh, Today I really wanted to uh, use this as a big introduction day for myself to you listeners, and uh, after that we can then move on to to the topic of the day that we're going to be talking about, but super nervous, but also super excited about this. I've really never done anything like this on a on a consistent basis so i'm really excited to get this up and going and i really really uh, want this to be a good time uh, for all of us so uh, without further ado let's get into uh, a little introduction to me for those you don't know uh so this podcast is going to be mainly about soccer me and chad got this idea where he's going to have his own sort of basketball type podcast and i'm gonna have my own soccer podcast because that are that is, those are our own uh more areas of interest uh we'll still collab collaborate sometimes uh but we like to have these separate podcasts because um it allows us to kind of delve deeper into our own sport of choice without having the uh, the other's knowledge kind of hold us back because he knows a lot more about basketball than I do, and I know a lot more about soccer than he does. So uh, let's start, like I said, with a quick introduction to me. So how I really got into soccer, I mean, it's not really that uh, interesting of a story, but basically I saw my brother playing when he was five or six, so everyone wants to be like their older brother so uh so i started playing around three years old and i've just been in it ever since and then i began really really getting into it around uh probably middle to uh yeah about middle school age uh is when i really got into it heavy i had just quit playing hockey when i was around uh, 11 too expensive too much travel you know the team i was playing for is breaking up basically the perfect storm of stuff to just throw away my uh, hockey career and i just got into i said hey i'm already playing soccer so i might as well just play that full time this is what like i said when i was about uh, 11 years old and that's also when i really started to obviously like i said play it year round but also i began to watch it a lot more then that was also when the premier league became a lot more accessible here in america you know uh nbcsn was just starting up i don't i know there was a a channel that i mean they used to have like a a specific soccer channel like i don't remember i don't remember but i remember that they started showing the premier league a lot more when i was around that age and that's how I got into watching more professional soccer. And the first team that I really, really watched was Arsenal. Uh, and that's the team that I support to this day. The first season I really watched them was the 11, 12, 13, or sorry, was the 2012, 13 season when they uh, made that miraculous run near the end of the season to go from like, I think it was like 10th at Christmas and then fin- finishing Champions League place above Tottenham seems like such a long time ago <laughs> uh so yeah that's just a little bit but i mean now i play soccer for christopher newport i'm a sophomore there and i love it and it sucks that we're that our entire spring season was ended because of this coronavirus outbreak uh whole thing has just ruined the entire soccer world right now so it's i mean the entire every 
subject world but the sports world in particular has taken a real uh taken a real left turn because of the coronavirus as it should obviously uh public health and safety should come before uh a sport but it's just it's really sad for everyone in the world who is uh looking forward to you know the end of the champions league and the end of the uh their the league season the domestic leagues and Still no one really knows what the implications will be for the European Championships this summer, which are supposed to take place all over the continent. And so it's just really, really bad timing for such a, for such a tragedy uh, to occur. But nevertheless, I know that uh, the world and uh, the soccer world will prevail in the end. It's just, I have no idea what I'm going to do with my time, you know. I'm out of school for a week and I have nothing... I have no soccer or no anything to watch, so this is going to be interesting. So today, uh, my for my first topic, uh, well, I guess it's my, the only topic of the episode, but for my first topic that I'm going to cover ever on this podcast, since, like I said, there's no real soccer to cover, I will talk about a soccer topic that really doesn't have to do with things that are really on the pitch. I want to talk about free agents that I could really see moving in 2020. Now, obviously, uh, free agents are supposed to move, but these are the more either exciting free agents or just free agents that I think really need to move, and even if they have the opportunity, shouldn't re-up their contract with their current club. So I have three players for uh, us to analyze, and the three I've chosen are Adam Lallana, the Liverpool midfielder, Edinson Cavani, the striker for PSG, and Mario Goetze, the Borussia Dortmund player who really doesn't even have a position right about now. He's played as a striker. He's played on the wing. He started his career at attacking mid. He's played deeper in the midfield. No one really knows what he is. He's not getting uh, a lot of that game time that he used to at uh, at Dortmund and even at the beginning of his career at uh, Bayern. So let's start with Adam Lallana. Right here I have three uh, destinations that he has been sort of uh, semi-linked with but the more I look at them the more that I really don't buy into him being linked with these clubs the three clubs that I've seen him linked with uh, are Arsenal Leicester and uh, Tottenham Hotspur and I really really do not see a way for him to move to any of these clubs uh, so let's start with Arsenal why wouldn't he move to Arsenal I don't think it's a matter of him not wanting to move for Arsenal I just think that Arsenal wouldn't want to pay pay him the wages to basically be something that we don't really need right about now uh now if we were to offload Meza Ozil I wouldn't mind Adam Lallana being his replacement because obviously it's going to be a huge wage cut we're not going to have to pay a transfer fee but he's just a lot different player he's somewhat of a creative midfielder but he's also a lot more industrious so I think a lot of Arsenal fans would be happier with that because obviously Mesut Ozil's work rate has been uh, subject to a lot of criticism, mostly recently because his, I mean, his work rate's never been the greatest as far as like defensively and when we're not doing well, he tends to hang his head and things like that. But especially recently, since his output hasn't really matched his lack of uh defensive actions and things like that then people have really started to notice uh how much of a burden he is defensively and you know when we're going against the tougher teams but 
I don't know if Adam Lalonic, if I really would want him to fill that role. You know, he's a older player. He's not. I mean, yeah, he's not that much younger than Mezzozo, and. I just think this Arsenal team just needs to invest as young as possible in all of our uh, in all of our transfers in these next few years. I mean, we've done a lot better over the past few windows of you know recruiting young, not spending huge money. Obviously, Nicola Pepe huge money, but he's a young player. So, I really I mean, to this day I really don't mind that transfer. People are like, "Oh my goodness, how could you pay 75 million for a player that really hasn't done anything when he really hasn't had that awful of a debut season in the Premier League?" Obviously, there are players that hit the ground running in the Premier League, but I mean, when you watch him play, you can tell that the talent is there and that the ability is there. He's just not used to playing in in this league. You know, he draws a lot of fouls, things like that. Uh, very talented on the ball. Sorry, I didn't want to just leave it at that. He draws fouls. That's not exactly the uh, the best trait to have if you're just uh, if you're a winger to just be a person that draws fouls but anyway back to Adam Lallana I would I would be baffled if Arsenal would would bring him in just because like I said he's not really the type of midfielder that we would need even if we were trying to look for an Ozo replacement he's too old to be the Ozo replacement and then deeper in the midfield we just need a lot more physical bodies back there you know Granit Xhaka he's physical but he doesn't have the athleticism to match it Lucas Torreira never seems to be able to stay on the pitch whether it's through poor form or through um or through injury Matteo Guendouzi still has some development to do. Hopefully next season will be the season where he really cements himself as a permanent part of the Arsenal midfield. But yeah, I really just don't see a world where the answer to our midfield issues would be would be Adam Lallana. So though I've seen him linked to Arsenal, I can't really see a move uh, for him to Arsenal. Let's move on to Leicester now. Leicester is honestly probably the last place that I would... Well, Leicester and Spurs are probably the last places I would expect uh, Adam Lallana to move to. And it's kind of unfortunate for for Adam Lallana because I feel like he is the quality to play at the clubs that I'm listing, but he just isn't really what they need. I mean, Leicester has the best young midfield maybe in Europe. I mean, them and Spurs probably have the best young midfields in Europe uh, at this moment. I mean, Leicester having uh, Ndidi, Madison, and... Uh, and Telemans, and then bringing people off the bench like Hamza Chowdhury, who is—I mean—he's a bit of a dirty player, but you know he's a—he's definitely a Premier League uh, level midfielder uh, who can pl- who can play certain games for top si- for a top six side like Leicester had become. And then Dennis Pratt, who's not the most talented player, but you know he can definitely do a job when he comes in. And I don't see Adam Lallana really displacing any of those five midfielders. Because, you know, Hamza Chowdhury is still young. Dennis Pratt, I believe him and Adam Lallana are probably of similar quality. Adam Lallana might be a bit better. But like I said, due to his age, it really won't even, wouldn't even matter. Leicester, like Arsenal, have become a lot more sensible in their transfers in recent years. So I don't see why they would go for, uh, for aging Adam Lallana, who really hasn't proven anything over these past few years at Liverpool. So, again, Leicester, don't really see him moving to a club like that. Uh, And then moving on to Spurs, again, I really can't see a world where he 
where he gets into the team at Spurs, you know, uh, Tangi and Dombele, if they make Lo Celso permanent, uh, Deli Alley, you know, people, uh, Harry Winks, you know, I don't see how people would put him in that class. He's just not in that caliber of player. And if he's moving to a club just to be a backup, I mean, he should have just taken a pay cut and stayed at Liverpool. So I think that Lallana is searching for minutes as well as searching for what what he's worth, which I respect. But I really don't see a future for him in any of these three clubs. I could see him moving to like a like a top, like a 10 to 7 uh, range of a Premier League club. You know, like a... Couldn't even think. Maybe like a like I can see Sheffield picking him up if they are looking for to kind of maybe raise the level. I mean, they've done brilliantly with the players they have, but maybe they're looking for a little bit more actual quality in that midfield rather than just industry. So maybe they could pick him up. Uh, I could see like a Palace or Everton trying to pick him up. You know, I, and like you said, like Palace and Everton, they're in eleventh and twelfth, but at the same time. I think they're of that like top half quality, so I could definitely see him moving to one of those. I just I can't see a future for him in the top six of the Premier League. I think he is like he could definitely play for a top six club, but just the way that like Leicester, Arsenal, and uh, Spurs midfields are, I don't see a way for him to get into those teams and for those teams to pay money for him to just be third choice you know so i could see adam milan like i said maybe like an everton or a palace i think would probably be the best place for him you know get minutes get the wages he's looking for and get back to being on the on the pitch consistently next we're going to move on to edinson cavani uh hot property this summer uh 33 years old but still firing in the goals for uh, psg even though he's him and mauro ricardi have kind of flipped back and forth in that uh and that starting 11 for the uh, for the Parisians. There was a rumor that he was going to join Atleti for about 20 million in the in the January transfer window. That, however, that fell through. But Atleti could still look to sign him in the in the summer. But I I don't really see what the benefit would be would be for Atletico. I mean, they they signed they signed Yao Felix in the summer, and they spent a lot of money on him. What that really indicates to me is that their transfer policy is is shifting. You know, Atletico is kind of become or had kind of become sort of like a Borussia Dortmund type club. You know, they do the most with what they have. You know, they develop good players, but and then they and then they sell them. They move them on. You know, they're a lot of examples of this, you know, uh, Diego Costa, uh, I had one on the top of my head, uh, Sergio Aguero, even players like Felipe Luis, who went on and didn't really do much in the Premier League, you know, they still were able to sell, sell him for a decent fee, you know, so I really don't see them trying to pick up a 33-year-old striker. I think their transfer policy is shifting a little bit more to bring in the younger younger talent and I just don't see why I mean Edinson Cavani is just a little I mean he's just a higher quality like version of Morata you know good in the air good or decent hold up play you know I mean but 
It's just that Edinson Cavani's better at all those things. But he's also six, seven years older. So I really don't see why Atleti would want to sign him and take away minutes from Morata or play him with Morata because if they have those two similar players in there, I just don't see why you would why you would really pair them up because they're not going to add any dynamism. You know, it's not like either of them are particularly great pressers. Obviously, they will be coached by Simeone, so they'll so they know how to defend, but I could see I could see Edinson Cavani moving to Spain, but maybe to like a Sevilla or Real Sociedad, you know? These are two clubs that are they're in the they're in the top four currently in Spain. I believe Sevilla's third and Sociedad's fourth, I believe. And yeah, these are two clubs having great seasons, but neither of them really have a proven big proven goal scorer on their team now especially dad does have william jose who is their old hold up man striker but i mean if it comes down to picking william jose or edinson cavani i i don't see a world where you pick william jose now they do Sochi dad does have alexander isak but with the season he's had you know just maybe not even through number he has scored a good amount of goals but also just the talent that he displays week in and week out it's brilliant he got good pace gets gets good shots off you know good finisher great movement i could definitely see him getting a move this summer and if real sociedad wants to stay competitive if they do qualify for the champions league i don't know what's going to happen with this season but you know if if they do end up with the champions league next year i don't think losing I don't think they're just going to leave it at losing Alexander Isak and uh, and Martin Odegaard in the same summer. I don't think they're just going to ride with William Jose and whatever guy they're going to pick to play attacking midfield next year who's not going to be anywhere close to Martin Odegaard quality. So I could definitely see them trying to find Edinson Cavani, uh, trying to use him as the replacement for Alexander Isak. Obviously, like I said, not similar players, but definitely... Uh, similar if not better quality for Edinson Cavani if they get him on maybe like a two-year deal he could do some good time there he might have to pay a little bit higher wages than they're used to but you know they're going to need some production if they're going to compete in the Champions League and in the league and again Sevilla uh sorry also Sevilla could also be a player for him Sevilla are kind of in an, an enigma. I mean, they're in third place, but they don't even really have a goal scorer. I think Munir is their highest scoring attacker, and I think he has like seven goals. I don't know if that's in the league or all competitions, but either way, I mean, being third in the league and having your top... I mean, they have Lucas Ocampos, I believe, is their top scorer, and he has 10, which isn't even that much, especially for a club that's uh, as highly placed as Sevilla. So they could be looking for a more proven goal scorer this summer again fi maybe finding him uh, a two spotting him a two-year deal i could see him really keeping severe sociedad in this top three or four conversation and maybe even nicking some champions league wins for them you know i i, I just don't see a future at psg for edinson cavani uh with mauro riccardi maybe coming in on a permanent this summer and maybe they're just look, even if he doesn't come in on a permanent, I mean, I would love to see Kylian Mbappe just play through the middle uh, week in and week out. So, Edinson Cavani, I think, has a really good chance of moving 
rumors have been Atletico Madrid, but I could see him more moving to Sevilla or Sociedad. Now, the last player that we're going to be talking about is Mario Goetze. This, I feel so bad for Mario Goetze because at 19, 20 years old, he was brilliant in those Dortmund sides with him, Marco Royce, Robert Lewandowski, uh, playing under um, Jurgen Klopp. Obviously, the FIFA 13 legend, Jakob Blachikowski, playing on the right. I mean, this was such a fun team. Such a fun team. In, in FIFA and in real life, you know, it was the team that made it to the uh, to the 2013 Champions League final where Mario Götze didn't play because he had already signed for Bayern. But, you know, that's beside the point. He had one or two decent seasons at Bayern, and then it kind of all went down the drain. Didn't really find as much playing time under Pep Guardiola and then moved back to Borussia Dortmund. And even then, it, it really hasn't worked out for him there either diagnosed with a metabolic disorder recently so that isn't really helping so i really can't see a world where they where they leave where they leave him or where they sorry where they bring him back onto their books i mean even especially with the addition of emre chen who provides even more midfield cover beyond mario good so i just don't see why they would uh, want to renew his contract <laughs> and he has three very 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 different type of uh suitors that i've seen uh for this summer <laughs> the i just i've never seen the combination of uh clubs coming for a player uh quite like this so the three clubs that i've seen him linked with are Hertha berlin liverpool and la galaxy how i don't know but i mean that's just about, th I mean, you have a lower mid-table German club in Hertha Berlin, the the best club in England this season in Liverpool, and then an MLS club, which is supposed to be a retirement league for players. I mean, I just, this. so basically they're saying he could go basically anywhere that will offer him a contract. So we'll start with Hertha, Ber Hertha Berlin. I could definitely see this happening just because he's German and Hertha Berlin are in Germany. They're really struggling this season. They're down in, in 13th place. They're not really in danger of relegation just because <laughs> the relegation the clubs in the relegation zone have been so poor this season. But, you know, uh, how he fits into Hertha Berlin's system, I have no clue. You know... I haven't really, I, I have to admit, I'm pretty guilty of not knowing too much about her to Berlin, but I could see, I could obviously see Mario Goetz assigning for her to Berlin. I just couldn't, I really couldn't see how her to Berlin would want to come in for Mario Goetz because I don't think they just have money to spend and just say, oh yeah, let's just get this guy who may or may not play for us due to his disorder. And let's, I'm sure he's not going to come cheap either. I mean, he might, he might think sensibly and say hey anyone that gives me a, uh, a contract I'm just gonna have to take it because of my current state my condition but I don't know I don't know Mario Goetz is thinking so who knows how or why that Hertha Berlin uh, deal would work out but that was one of the clubs I saw him linked with and then Liverpool I could almost kind of see this for two reasons one well, three reasons, actually. One, Liverpool is obviously managed by Jurgen Klopp, who had 
tremendous success with Mario Goetze playing in his midfield uh, all those years ago. Now it must be like six or six to eight years ago, and so I could see him trying to give him a reunion, give him a resurgence, you know. And that was the second reason, you know. I think he really could get a, a resurgence in Liverpool in Liverpool system, you know, because. The thing about the way Liverpool play is they're not too heavily reliant on midfield talent that they create a system where the actual individual midfielders within the system don't really matter. It's more about how those midfielders are used. And so I think he could, if he's able to find uh, fitness, then I could see a world where he could go there maybe on a one or two year contract, get some playing time, show that he can still play at a high level and then use that as kind of a springboard club not to a bigger club but just to a different club you know I don't think he's gonna I don't think Liverpool is gonna bring him in and play him 40 games in a season or something crazy like that but you know if he can get you know some starts against the smaller clubs and maybe come on and have uh, some decent impact maybe one or two games against a top six club or in a Champions League match uh, I can definitely see him using that as a springboard club because again the third reason i mean liverpool have a lot a lot a lot of money so they probably won't be too bothered about just paying his wages even if they even if they got him on something insane like 150,000 pounds a week which how he would negotiate the contract let's say even if he gets 100,000 pounds a week i mean over the course of a season that would still be small potatoes compared to you know a huge transfer fee and things like that so I could see that Liverpool move happening, but also at the same time, wouldn't be surprised if it didn't just because of uh, his current uh, fitness situation and uh, the kind of perception that's around Mario Goetze since he's uh, left Bayern Munich. And the last, I guess, quote unquote, suitor of Mario Goetze is LA Galaxy. For LA Galaxy, 100% could see why they'd want to go for a player like this. I mean, they have tons of money being in LA. They have a very uh, star-driven team. You know, they just lost Latan. Still have like people like Jonathan Dos Santos and uh, Chicharito. But bringing in Mario Goods, it would just be another one of those statement signings for, for the league and for the club. So I could definitely see them pursuing Mario Goods, why he would go there. Kind of like we've talked about already. You know, he just, he really needs a club. He needs to play consistently. He needs to be on the pitch for a consistent season. And he could use that as a springboard club, or he could just settle into a life in MLS, which I don't think he would even uh, mind that much just because, you know, he's had such a rough time. So maybe he's just want to go somewhere, get some, you know, guaranteed first team football, and then like kind of ride out his career a bit. Like I said, I don't know where Mario Goetz's mentality is at. I don't even know if he wants to play, if he wants to play football anymore. I don't know if he wants to, you know, just, even if he's just doing it for a paycheck. I mean, I'm sure LA Galaxy would be willing to pay Mario Goetz so what he wants. Such a big name, you know, scoring the the winner in the 2014 World Cup final. You know, I think I could, I could see this being a really good move. Again, despite all those reasons he would want to he would want to go to LA and why LA would want him I could definitely see this move not going through for reasons as well you know maybe he still thinks that he is of Champions League quality and things like that 
and he won't want to get won't get, and he might not want to go to MLS so soon in his career, but who knows what his mindset is. So I think so let me give one let me just give one little tidbit on each of his three suitors. So I think he joins Hertha Berlin if he just wants to stay home in Germany. Just play a lot of football and you know get as much money as he can for the rest of his career not not saying that's a bad thing you know some you know you got to do what you got to do i could see him joining liverpool if jurgen klopp really does some convincing to him if he just wants to go there prove his worth a little bit and then use that as a springboard to another club after a year or two again not a bigger club just a different club where he can get consistent playing time then I could see him moving to LA Galaxy if he's kind of conceded his career and say, you know what, I'm not an elite level football player anymore, so I'll just move to LA Galaxy, enjoy enjoy playing, because you know he's gonna probably have great success here in America, so just go there, live in LA, have good success, be deemed one of the best players in the league, and kind of ride out my career. So. All three are kind of equally likely and unlikely to me. And yeah, those are three players uh, that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, so let me know what you guys think about this uh, this format we have. Let me know if you guys want something a little bit more scripted because a lot of this is off the top of my head. I have some small notes here, but uh, I didn't have stats or you know much like that. So just let me know what you guys thought about this first episode. And there are two future topics that I wanted to to hear from you guys about uh the two topics that i have here written down uh one i could talk about sports video games which i know isn't really a soccer topic but it's just something that i just love to talk about you know top five type of sports video games games i grew up with i i love sports video games obviously so i would be absolutely over the moon talking about them but uh, let me know if you guys want me to talk about those. And my other future topic that is potentially in the works is my unpopular soccer opinions. I'm kind of scared about this one because I don't want you guys to hate me right after I start doing my podcast. But, you know, it is what it is. So let me know if you want me to do either of those future topics. If not, let me know uh, what you do want me to talk about. Please don't be scared to reach out to me on social media or anything like that. Let me know what you guys think. And I will catch you guys later.